0: brown with her husband failed to join the family on this happy occasion she and he would be regarded as being but fainéon thompson's since her marriage which was an affair now nearly eight years old mrs brown had never passed a christmas in england the desirability of doing so had often been mooted by her her very soul craved the festivities of holly and minced pies there had ever been meetings of the Thompsons at Thompson Hall, though meetings not so significant, not so important to the family, as this one which was now to be collected. More than once had she expressed a wish to see old Christmas again in the old house among the old faces. But her husband had always pleaded a certain weakness about his throat and chest as a reason for remaining among the delights of Poe. Year after year she had yielded, and now this loud summons had come. It was not without considerable trouble that she had induced Mr. Brown to come as far as Paris. Most unwillingly had he left Pau, and then twice on his journey, both at Bordeaux and Tours, he had made an attempt to return. From the first moment he had pleaded his throat, and when at last he had consented to make the journey, he had stipulated for sleeping at those two towns and at Paris. Mrs. Brown, who with no slightest feeling of fatigue could have made the journey from Fowle to Stratford without stopping, had assented to everything so that they might be at Thompson Hall on Christmas Eve. When Mr. Brown uttered his unavailing complaints at the first two towns at which they stayed, she did not perhaps quite believe all that he said of his own condition. We know how prone the strong are to suspect the weakness of the weak as the weak are to be disgusted by the strength of the strong. There were perhaps a few words between them on the journey, but the result had hitherto been in favor of the lady. She had succeeded in bringing Mr. Brown as far as Paris. Had the occasion been less important, no doubt she would have yielded. The weather had been bad even when they left Pau, but as they had made their way northward it had become worse and still worse. As they left Tours, Mr. Brown, in a hoarse whisper, had declared his conviction that the journey would kill him. Mrs. Brown, however, had unfortunately noticed half an hour before that he had scolded the waiter on the score of an overcharged franc or two with a loud and clear voice. Had she really believed that there was danger or even suffering, she would have yielded. But no woman is satisfied in such a matter to be taken in by false pretenses." She observed that he ate a good dinner on his way to Paris, and that he took a small glass of cognac with complete relish, which a man really suffering from bronchitis surely would not do. So she persevered, and brought him into Paris late in the evening, in the midst of all that slush and snow. Then, as they sat down to supper, she thought he did speak hoarsely, and her loving feminine heart began to misgive her. But this now was at any rate clear to her that he could not be worse off by going on to london than he would be should he remain in paris if a man is to be ill he had better be ill in the bosom of his family than at a hotel what comfort could he have what relief in that huge barrack as for the cruelty of the weather london could not be worse than paris and then she thought she had heard that sea air is good for a sore throat In that bedroom which had been allotted to them au quatrième, they could not even get a decent fire. It would in every way be wrong now to forego the great Christmas gathering when nothing could be gained by staying in Paris. She had perceived that as her husband became really ill, he became also more tractable and less disputatious. Immediately after that little glass of cognac, he had declared that he would be dashed if he would go beyond Paris, and she began to fear that, after all, everything would have been done in vain. But as they went down to supper between ten and eleven, he was more subdued, and merely remarked that this journey would, he was sure, be the death of him. It was half-past eleven when they got back to their bedroom, and then he seemed to speak with good sense, and also with much real apprehension. "'If I can't get something to relieve me, I know I shall never make my way on,' he said. It was intended that they should leave the hotel at half-past five the next morning, so as to arrive at Stratford, travelling by the tidal train, at half-past seven on Christmas Eve. The early hour, the long journey, the infamous weather, the prospect of that horrid gulf between Boulogne and Folkestone, would have been as nothing to Mrs. Brown had it not been for that settled look of anguish which had now pervaded her husband's face. "'If you don't find something to relieve me, I shall never live through it,' he said again, sinking back into the questionable comfort of a Parisian hotel armchair. "'But, my dear, what can I do?' she asked, almost in tears, standing over him and caressing him. He was a thin, genteel-looking man, with a fine, long, soft brown beard a little bald at the top of the head, but certainly a genteel-looking man. She loved him dearly, and in her softer moods was apt to spoil him with her caresses. "'What can I do, my dearie? You know I would do anything if I could. Get into bed, my pet, and be warm, and then to-morrow morning you will be all right.' At this moment he was preparing himself for his bed, and she was assisting him. Then she tied a piece of flannel round his throat and kissed him, "'and put him in beneath the bedclothes. "'I'll tell you what you can do,' he said very hoarsely. "'His voice was so bad now that she could hardly hear him. "'So she crept close to him and bent over him. "'She would do anything if he would only say what. "'Then he told her what was his plan. "'Down in the salon he had seen a large jar of mustard "'standing on a sideboard. "'As he left the room he had observed,' that this had not been withdrawn with the other appurtenances of the meal. If she could manage to find her way down there, taking with her a handkerchief folded for the purpose, and if she could then appropriate a part of the contents of that jar and, returning with her prize, apply it to his throat, he thought that he could get some relief, so that he might be able to leave his bed the next morning at five. "'but I am afraid it will be very disagreeable "'for you to go down all alone at this time of night,' "'he croaked out in a piteous whisper. "'Of course I'll go,' said she. "'I don't mind going in the least. "'Nobody will bite me.' "'And she at once began to fold a clean handkerchief. "'I won't be two minutes, my darling, "'and if there is a grain of mustard in the house, "'I'll have it on your chest almost immediately.' She was a woman not easily cowed, and the journey down into the salon was nothing to her. Before she went, she tucked the clothes carefully up to his ears, and then she started. To run along the first corridor till she came to a flight of stairs was easy enough, and easy enough to descend them. Then there was another corridor, and another flight, and a third corridor, and a third flight, and she began to think that she was wrong she found herself in a part of the hotel which she had not hitherto visited and soon discovered by looking through an open door or two that she had found her way among a set of private sitting-rooms which she had not seen before then she tried to make her way back up the same stairs and through the same passages so that she might start again she was beginning to think that she had lost herself altogether and that she would be able to find neither the salon nor her bedroom when she happily met the night porter. She was dressed in a loose white dressing-gown, with a white net over her loose hair, and with white worsted slippers. I ought, perhaps, to have described her personal appearance sooner. She was a large woman, with a commanding bust, thought by some to be handsome, after the manner of Juno. But with strangers there was a certain severity of manner about her. A fortification, as it were, of her virtue against all possible attacks, a declared determination to maintain at all points the beautiful character of a British matron, which, much as it had been appreciated at Thompson Hall, had met with some ill natured criticism among French men and women. At Pau, she had been called La Fiere Anglaise. The name had reached her own ears and those of her husband. He had been much annoyed but she had taken it in good part, had indeed been somewhat proud of the title, and had endeavoured to live up to it. With her husband she could on occasion be soft, but she was of opinion that with other men a British matron should be stern. She was now greatly in want of assistance, but nevertheless when she met the porter she remembered her character. "'I have lost my way wandering through these horrid passages,' she said in her severest tone. This was an answer to some question from him.